Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And I am here with Rebecca Schutz. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Nancy. It is so great to be back here with you. It is. We're going to make it a regular thing. (laughs) Yeah, we we will. (laughs) So, Rebecca, there has been quite a lot going on in our little world of real estate. Some of it is super local, but there's also been some big national news that will affect the way properties are bought and sold across the country. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about that, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my night last night. Tell me about your night, Nancy. Okay. So I was out a little bit late, later than usual, because I was covering an event at the Post Oak Hotel. Do you know that hotel? I'm familiar. It's a super fancy hotel. It's Tillman Fertitta. 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 It's Tillman's Fertitta's. Tillman Fertitta. <laughs> Tillman Fertitta. It's Tillman Fertitta's project. It has a giant chandelier, and I believe it's scented. I think there's a smell when you walk in. Oh, yes. A lot of people are doing that these days. Yeah. But I was just there, obviously, okay. and I did not recall. I do not Maybe recall Maybe I'm wrong because Nancy is sensitive to scents. I am a so. sensitive. Yes, I am okay. definitely sensitive to scents. I could be wrong. Well, anyway, it's very nice. It's Mm -hmm. on the West Loop. It's super fancy, and it's surrounded by a bunch of restaurants, and it has some of the most expensive hotel rooms in the city. Anyway, so I was there last night covering this event held by Douglas Elliman, which is this famous New York real estate brokerage whose agents are on reality TV shows, and they sell some of the most expensive homes in Manhattan and Los Angeles and Aspen, and Elliman is opening in Houston. We wrote a story about it several weeks ago. The company made a deal with a local guy, a relative newcomer. His name is Jacob Sudoff, and His company sells a bunch of high-end new condominium buildings in Houston. So his company is becoming an element office. And they were sort of celebrating this news. They had their chairman, Howard Lorber, there. He's this billionaire New Yorker who also happens to own Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs. Okay. (laughs) So did you talk about that? We did. We did a little (laughs) bit. We talked about the— Wait, so he's in real estate— And hot dogs. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talked about the hot dog eating contest. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever participated in one? No, have you? No. (laughs) (laughs) But that'd be a fun fact. Okay. (laughs) Maybe we should have some sort of competitive eating contest on Looped In. Yeah, you can just (laughs) listen to us dip hot dogs in water and shove them down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we wouldn't do hot dogs. We could do something real estate related. Or crunchy. (laughs) So you could hear it. Exactly. Eat Pringles as fast as we can. <laughs> like a tower of Pringles. Oh, get yeah. it? Each chip would represent a floor. Yeah. We okay. just build the landscape of Houston and devour it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So for the loopies. Hey, it's a good idea. 
So anyway, I'm at the hotel last night and, you know, first they have this cocktail hour where they've got an open bar and people are having drinks. And the crowd was pretty impressive to me. There were a bunch of who's who from okay. the real estate world. Walk us through it. Yeah. Some some folks from Heinz. Giorgio Borlenghi, the Italian real estate condo developer in Houston. Randall Davis was there. John Doherty of John Doherty Realtors, of course. Big name in the residential real estate business. And who else was there? Oh, Bob Hale, the head of HAR. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so everyone was really dressed up, and it was really a, a beautiful event. There were some really expensive clothes. Mm. What do you wear? Well, it's funny you mention it because I actually spent some time that morning on my outfit. But in the end, I wasn't really happy with it. I'm sure you're always cute. Actually, everyone in the office talks about how they're jealous of Nancy's style, (laughs) which is not communicable (laughs) over the radio. But she's probably underselling herself. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you. Um, well, I, I don't know. fishing for compliments, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Never. Anyway, so they have this panel discussion. Mm-hmm. The, the ballroom doors open up. Everyone floods into the room. All these $1,000 outfits. Very, very fancy. Take a seat. Yes. We take a seat. And this guy gets up and starts the presentation. He's from London. He is about to give this talk on wealth trends, basically. The company, Douglas Elliman, along with this affiliated company, Knight Frank, puts together something called a wealth report every Mm. year. And so he got up to do some high-level splaining on wealth trends. So tell me about the trends in wealth. So he talked about the number of billionaires that are being born every day, and he talked about things like— How many billionaires are being born every day? So I don't know off the top of my head, but it's a lot. Anyway, he talked about Houston a bit, but one of the things he kept doing was he kept calling Houston Houston. Oh, no. Yeah. Like Whoville. Whoville. Like who's who in Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Houston, the new Whoville. Yeah. He was just being seasonal. It, it was a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just seemed like he wasn't sure how to say it, like if he should say Houston or Houston. And he was surrounded by a city of six million people, any of whom could have told him. Well, yeah. an awkward position. Yeah. I think um, I think they all recovered okay. quite well. And, and so there was this panel discussion after that. Jacob Sudoff, Howard Lorber a bunch of other people from the company, and this woman named Lauren Rote. She's from Houston. and Houston. She's from Houston. And she is an architect and designer, and she talked about a lot of the design trends in condos. Okay. Yeah. What's new in the ultra-luxury condos? Well, you know, one of the must-have amenities these days, she said, were dog washes. Dog washes? Mm-hmm. Dog washes. And I've been seeing some of these in pictures lately. And they are quite fanciful rooms with these big sort of showers and everything's covered in marble and fancy stone. It's pretty impressive. I'm just going to say as a cat lady, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a bit discriminatory. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they could build one. They're wealthy cat ladies. Have you seen Aristocats? Oh, yeah. She would, she would pay for a cat wash, I think. But 
cats don't <laughs> get washed, do they? No, they don't. The okay. cats would hate it. But, you know, it's for the people. <laughs> I throw my cats a birthday party every year. They hate it. I love it. <laughs> do you really? I don't think they hate it, but I do really. Yeah, I'll invite you this year. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's dog washes, but this other thing came up during the discussion. It's another design trend related to pets, uh-huh. and it's called porch potties. But I've also heard it called a pooch potty. Well, I'm glad you explained it's for pets because it's a concerning name. Right. It's a new amenity uh-huh. in some of these buildings. There's like a patch of grass or astroturf out on the patio uh-huh. or the balcony of these condo units. And it's where you take your dog. And, you know, when you don't feel like going downstairs for a walk, you just take Fluffy outside to your balcony. And, you know... Fluffy does Fluffy's thing. Okay. <laughs> this is another argument in favor for cats. Well, okay. That's what so I'm hearing. <laughs> porch potty. What do you think? Porch potty. I don't like the word potty because it sounds like someone's, I don't know. It just, a porch isn't a very, it's not very private. You want your potty? I think you, you need to like. Does it? Well, so you think it needs a rebrand? I think it needs a rebrand. Okay. Because if you didn't say it was for pets, I would be very concerned. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit, it's an alarming name. A porch potty. Oh, like you, yeah. Like, like someone <laughs> like took a you dump a- on your porch, you know? like <laughs> Or like you have a party and oh. someone's like, oh, excuse me, where's the bathroom? And you say, oh, it's out on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to share a bad party experience. <laughs> I went to a party once where there was a bathroom, like, in the middle of the living room, and it was surrounded in – it was basically clad in glass. Whoa. I know. (laughs) Whose party was (laughs) It was very (laughs) avant-garde. It's like an art installment. It sort of was. So, yeah, yeah, that's what – a porch potty makes me think of. Okay. It's like a public display of indecency. Well, anyway – Maybe the people at Element can come up with yeah. some sort of take out the word potty, yeah, and just new name for it, pooch porch. All right. Well, so after the panel, it was really late. Well, it wasn't that late. It was six o'clock, but it was late <laughs> for me. It was dark. It was dark. Everyone was heading out, and I ran into the head of another big real estate company in town, and we started chatting. And pocket listings came up. Mm. Great segue. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That was the other big news I was referring to Mm -hmm. earlier. Would you like to share with our listeners what pocket listings are and why they're in the news? Yeah. So for those who don't know, pocket listings are listings that if you went onto HAR's website or any other sort of centralized listing website, this home, even though it's for sale, wouldn't appear there. Because what the real estate agents are actually doing is they're reaching out to other people they think might be interested, usually other real estate agents who have clients who buy that sort of home in that neighborhood. They reach out to them privately through email or through a phone call. Sometimes they'll drop off flyers in their office and they say, hey, this home is for sale. Tell your buyers you know, we're going to arrange this. So um, so they keep it in their pocket. So, yes, it's called a pocket listing because they keep it in their pocket. It's not super public. Yeah. So even if there's a house that was exactly what you're looking for, you may not know unless your real estate agent 
knows what's going on in these pockets, <laughs> in the pockets of other real estate agents. And this policy, people keep on calling it a pocket listing policy, but it's actually sort of an umbrella policy that affects two types of privately marketed homes. Mm -hmm. If you intend to keep it in your pocket forever, like you're never going to put this in the public space. You're going to sell it sort of privately. That's called a pocket listing. If you're just calling around, feeling out the excitement, you're trying to like get the word out, and eventually you will list it on one of these centralized listing websites called MLSs, mm -hmm. then they call it a coming soon because you're sort of getting the word out looking for potential buyers but eventually if it's not if it's not sold already you will show it to the public so that's called a coming soon so why would you do one of these so there are many reasons one that was discussed there's a national realtor conference every year where they sort of debate new policies mm -hmm. and it was in San Francisco this year and it, i actually was in the bay area at the same time but i did not go <laughs> but I heard that one of the concerns uh, for people who really like pocket listings, especially in the Midwest, are people who um, their clients might be football coaches. So okay. they might be a football coach at a college or even at a high school, like a pretty football-centric high school. There are some of those in There are some town. of those here in Texas. You might get another job offer and start – you want to sell your home. Because you need to move to another city where your new job is going to be. But you don't want people to know yet. But you don't want people to know yet. Um, so if you listed your home on an MLS, some enterprising reporter might see it. Mm -hmm. You know, your neighbors might see it and start talking. It might become news. So you might want that home sold privately as a pocket listing. That's okay. one example. Other celebrities sort of fall under the same bucket. Mm -hmm. Anything like if you're moving, it would be news. Yeah. You know. And then there's also these other like reasons, like for example, you might be a landlord and you're selling the home and you don't want your tenants to like find out and like suddenly leave. You know, you might run a business and don't want your clients to know how much your house is worth. And then there's um there's a, a whole different set of reasons for coming soon's because for coming soon's part of what's going on is market research in a way. So, for example, you might have a house. It's usually sort of like more expensive houses. So let's say you have a house. If you looked at all the similar houses in terms of like square feet, location, maybe it's supposed to be comparable sales suggests it would be worth $2 million. Okay. But you have this super nice pool, you know. It has like, I don't know, what's the trends in pools? Like a floating fire pit or I don't know. Like <laughs> That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the fanciest pool and you're like, I think this house is actually worth, you know, $2.3 million because this is, this is so unusual. It's a real perk, you know. Right. You could sort of get out the word and tell other real estate agents. They could bring in their buyers and they could tell you what they think. They could be like, oh, wow, yeah. You can't get this anywhere else. This is very unusual. We do think it's worth more than what the comparable sales would suggest. Mm -hmm. Or they might be like, this is totally a joke. You should you should reduce the price a little bit. And then when you actually list the home on um, HAR or any other MLS, and you actually list it at $2 million instead of 2.3, it doesn't show any price reduction. It doesn't have all those extra days on market. Mm. You can sort of tr test out the waters without it reflecting in any of the stats. And the reason why agents are interested in that is because if it shows a bunch of price reductions or if it shows that it's been on 
the market for hundreds of days, they start assuming that the seller is desperate. And then they're more likely, more inclined to lowball you. Yeah. It seems like there's less interest. Buyers would think maybe there's something wrong with the house. Maybe there's something wrong with it. So um, so that's the kind of situation that could lead someone to use a coming soon. So num- there are a number of reasons you might want to market a property privately. And it's fairly common, actually. Around 10% of listings nationally are estimated to be pocket listings. And that number is as high as 30% in certain markets. So they've, they're a long-time thing. They're a significant thing. And what happened on this last Monday, November 11th, was there was a vote on whether or not to effectively ban the practice, although there are some loopholes. Well, the reason this came to a head was while people who offer pocket listings say they're doing it in order to meet their clients' needs, which can be various, some people say that it can discriminate against potential buyers who would be interested in the home if they knew it was on the market. They also say that it can hurt sellers because if not everyone who would be interested knows, then not everyone who would be interested can make an offer, which could mean it either takes longer to sell or... You know, there could have been a bidding war and there was not, you know, right? Um, or you had to reduce your price and you wouldn't have had to if everyone knew is the argument. And other people who are against it, I've heard also say that it allows the real estate agents to earn the same commission as they normally would on a typical listing with without doing as much, frankly, without having open houses and mm-hmm. having expensive photographs taken. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So this came to a head the 11th. Mm -hmm. It actually had uh, some local ties because the committee who sort of suggested policies regulating the MLS is chaired by none other than our own Chad Bogany. Right. Longtime Um, real estate agent here in town. And it's he's on this committee for the National Association of Realtors. Yes, exactly. So this is a national policy. Okay. They all met in San Francisco this past weekend, Mm -hmm. but they voted. The vote was on whether or not, like, if you start telling people about it, within a day you need to put it on the MLS. And they voted. It was very much uncertain what would happen, but Mm -hmm. the vote was actually overwhelmingly in favor of this ban. Mm -hmm. So that will go into effect January 1st, and then all the local uh, realtor associations, including HAR, are going to have a few months to figure out how they're going to implement it, what the penalty will be if someone breaks this rule, right? what the enforcement will be like. So we'll start seeing this um, implemented in early 2020. So if you're an agent and you have a property to sell and you put out a coming soon sign in front of the property mm-hmm. or you post something on Facebook. Or you start emailing friends. Right. The next day, you better have that listing on, on HAR. Yeah. Yeah, on the MLS. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so what would a penalty look like? So one MLS has already, like, in between this proposal coming out and the vote, they passed their own policy Hmm. that was very similar to the one that was passed nationally. And this MLS, Bright MLS, their penalty was $5,000, I think, Hmm. per listing. Okay. Yeah, they they got both praise and pushback. Compass, which is one of the largest real estate brokerages in the country, backed by the same people who backed WeWork. So they're heavily 
bankrolled. They really see themselves at this tech-first company. They are heavily invested in coming soon. So when I talked to them on the phone, they said they think it's the best thing for the consumers. They're really into it. At one point, it was actually in their real estate agent's contract that they had to do coming soons on all of the homes that they listed or else they wouldn't get their incentives, which included like large signing bonuses. Okay. When this news sort of came out, Compass said they no longer do that. And even when it was in the contracts, no one followed it and they had no intention of enforcing it. The language has since been removed. But it shows how central these coming soons are to Compass's policy. Yeah, I mean, I guess it sets you apart. Yeah, Yeah. I guess it sets you apart Mm -hmm. if you've got all these listings on your website that no one else can see except people that come to your website. And once I was actually on their brokerage's website and they had uh, this page full of testimonials and I just typed in, um, I just control F for, I think, pocket listings. And all of these hits came up from all these people who were like, oh, I would really highly recommend this. My broker knew of all of these listings that weren't even on the market. Mm-hmm. Like if you were if you were really interested in like finding a home, like they know about stuff no one else does. That was something in the testimonials they were including on their website. Mm-hmm. So it, it does seem like um, it's important to them. The reason I brought them up is because Bright MLS, when they started banning pocket listings and coming soons, Compass wrote them a letter saying, if you enforce this rule, we will sue you. And um, did they? And now, I don't think it's been enforced yet. And now the rule they are threatening to sue over is nationwide. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Why now might be because some of these very large websites prominently are featuring coming soons. And so they're giving big competition to the MLS. Yes. Yeah. MLSs. And to any brokerage that doesn't have a lot of them. Right. Right. Like yeah, any it sets small... them apart. Sure. Yeah, it sets them apart. And the more they can promote that they have this mm-hmm. special thing that no one else has, then the more people are going to come to their site. Mm-hmm. And they're a new company. So if they're, if a large part of their business model is based on these coming soons, then that's going to be tricky for them. Yeah. Then, you know, if they don't have that, maybe they become a real estate company like others, <laughs> like any other. Yeah. It, it takes away a differentiating factor. Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. So this rule has been passed. There's the question of what do things look like now? Mm-hmm. If you are a football coach, say you have this like situation where like really the news could like jump on you if people knew you were selling your home. How about if you're a football player, like if you're J.J. Oh. Watt and you're about to be oh. traded? Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. But yeah, if you had something where like you selling your home would be this like signifier, right? Like yeah. everyone would be like, that would be a big deal. There are still like you can still... The home seller can request, they can r- fill out a form, say, I don't want my home on the MLS, and that's fine. That's within the rules. Okay. Um, so it's like if a If you waiver. have a contract, so okay, so you can have a contract mm-hmm. because you have to serve your customer. If the seller customer. says, this, this rule doesn't serve me, right. they can write that down, and then they, this rule doesn't apply. So okay. there still will be some pocket listings. So that's one loophole. That's one loophole. There's, there's one more. A second loophole. The second loophole is... Office exclusives. You want to explain what that is? Sure. So an office exclusive is 
when an agent who works for a specific brokerage has a listing, she can or he can take that listing and advertise it to all of the other agents in the same office without doing anything wrong, without Mm -hmm. incurring a penalty. That's called an office exclusive. The minute that she or he advertises this home outside of the office, Mm -hmm. then they'll have to put it on the MLS. So the differentiator is whether or not the advertisement is like internally faced within the company Mm -hmm. or externally faced to anyone outside of it. As soon as you advertise to anyone outside of your company, that's when you need to put it on the MLS Mm -hmm. within a day. And um, some people say this is a big loophole because, again, large, giant brokerages yeah. will have a lot of those inside, you know, like, yeah. so So it's still sort of the, th- it remains to be seen um, what the effect will be. Right. right. And enforcement is another big issue. Mm. Who? How, how are they going to find out if people are pocket listing? Yeah. You know, it is, are the MLS? Be, yeah, an agent reporting the other yeah. agents, you know, yeah. oh, so-and-so reached out to me. Yeah. This listing. I mean, it'll probably be more like, oh, I saw a sign in this yard. Right. And I didn't see it on the MLS. But, you know, it does. Real estate is very relationship based. Mm-hmm. But it's also very competitive. I could actually see mm. some people getting some pleasure in <laughs> calling Turning out certain people in. Yeah. yeah. Calling out their, their competition in a specific neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, starting in 2020, either. You'll see a lot more listings than you have previously. Like, it could actually inflate our home sales numbers. Oh, that's Um, interesting. It'll look like there's a lot more homes on the market Mm -hmm. compared to previous years. You'll probably see a lot more high-end homes, uh, a lot more million-dollar-plus homes because they're no longer hidden. You'd see a lot of people flocking towards these loopholes. Yeah. So it remains to be seen what will happen I did speak with one scholar, one professor from New Mexico, who spent a year doing field research here in Houston Hmm. um, because she was looking for reasons why neighborhoods, like why in some cities, like a high proportion of neighborhoods don't reflect the racial makeup of the city. She was looking at Houston because Houston has a lot of diversity. It has a lot of like relatively affordable housing. It does doesn't have a history of zoning, and zoning in a lot of cities are a reason, like a historical reason, why neighborhoods are segregated, although Houston had its own ways. Um, so she was like, Houston is a good, is seemed like the best city to see why, why there'd be this sort of racial imbalance between neighborhoods. Mm. She spent her year doing field research, just shadowing real estate agents and doing interviews with real estate agents, buyers, sellers, um, and other people related in some capacity to real estate transactions. And her conclusion was that pocket listings play a big role because out of the 20 white real estate agents she interviewed or shadowed, like every single one of them that she asked about pocket listings said they had done it at least at some point. And some people did it heavily. She said they really sort of emphasized the exclusivity of it Mm -hmm. as a marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. And when she went to, she asked 18 real estate agents of color about how often they utilized pocket listings, and many of them had never even heard of it mm. um, and didn't understand why Why would it be better for the seller not to tell people about <laughs> exactly. your listing. And then um, one had used it in the past, but okay. she just saw a disparity in who is, what kinds of real estate agents are using this practice, and her theory was just that their networks tended to be people similar to them. 
so that Mm -hmm. in effect it's preventing some people from you know wealthy people of color who would be interested in moving into a certain neighborhood from knowing about that neighborhood Mm -hmm. if they had like a real estate agent who looked like them we should include her paper in the show notes for people who are interested yeah let's definitely do that yeah it was an interesting study and it's something that like is often like when I was asking about pocket listings, I feel like a lot of people were like, and it's a potential fair housing violation. Mm-hmm. But most people didn't want to go too much into it. But mm-hmm. she she actually spent a year looking at that issue directly. Okay. There's a possibility that this could make it easier for people to move into certain neighborhoods. But who knows? You know, it would be fascinating to get a couple agents in here, one for pocket listings and one against. Oh, yeah. And just let them have the floor on yeah. looped in and... People are very passionate on both sides. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Maybe someone from Compass and then someone like Shad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, until that happens, um, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fun. And listeners, thank you as well. Remember, if you don't already, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out to us. We are on Facebook and Twitter. I am at N. Sarnoff and Rebecca. I'm at R.A. Shoots. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.